This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kind. I'm Lisa Crispin. I co-founded the Agile Testing Fellowship with Janet Gregory. We provide a three-day live training course, Agile Testing for the whole team, around the world with a whole team of hand-picked trainers and practitioners. And I live in Vermont with three donkeys and two dogs, three cats, and, and my husband. This is the Lisa Crispin Extreme, Extreme Programming, Programming Test Series. The first episode of the series started at episode 131. It's like something happened in 2000. It sounds like we both switched to XP about the same time. And, oh, wow. Uh, cool. uh, yeah. So, yeah, when I was working at Hewlett Packard, we were in a small lab and uh, our boss uh, brought in Kent Beck. So we had Kent Beck for our... Oh, our, that's uh, so awesome. ...to coach us. And it was... It was wow. Uh, yeah, it really blew me away. It was like, this is like exactly the opposite of what I was trained in college for software engineering <laughs> and, and what right. I was doing. I was still fairly young in my career. I was probably five years in. I'd gone through a couple of waterfall projects and uh-huh. and then I had a lot of, well, I had some practice in, in graduate school as well on software engineering. But so I, I actually even appreciated some of the design aspects of thinking about something and modeling the software, maybe even pseudocoding before I start writing the code. So I was totally drinking the Kool-Aid, living the life. Uh-huh. Then I run into Ken. And he's like, no, you don't need to do any of that stuff. Just get to writing software. And I, for and I thought, wow, this is. A, I was like scared and excited at the same time. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do exactly what he tells me. And if it doesn't work, I could say, Kent, I did exactly what you told me, and it didn't work. <laughs> right. And, but it won't work. So, <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, and and I mean, I think, I think early on that he and the other leaders of of XP, I think they were right in telling people, okay, just start out doing all the practices. And then when you've done them a while, then you can let go of the ones that aren't working for you. A model for what Lisa is describing here is called Shu Ha Ri. Shu Ha Ri is the path to mastery, where Shu spelled S-H-U, is the beginning stage where you need to copy and imitate other people to achieve competency in the skill. Ha, written as H-A, is where you start seeing some exceptions where the things that you followed earlier don't apply. Ri, spelled R-I, means you're so skilled now that you're developing your own ways to improve the art itself. The danger with this path to mastery is that somebody who is in the shoe level tries to go to ha ari too soon and they never actually develop mastery, but they just continue executing poorly because they never learned what they needed to learn at the shoe stage. Another danger is that while you're in the shoe stage, you become too frustrated with the strict controls and repetition needed to break from the shoe stage and you drop the whole thing before you become proficient enough to do something quickly rather than slowly. Um, Because they knew that those practices altogether worked for a lot of people. I'm a little less of a Kool-Aid drinker these days, but I, I think the 
it's really important for teams to have the discipline and you know commit to what level of quality they want and now how are they going to make that level of quality happen well we know we're going to need some of these practices and maybe don't do a big bang line option maybe just start with like let's just start with tester development or for sure we should start with continuous integration <laughs> and you know let's do test driven development and exploratory testing and see how that goes with us for a while and and just keep adding to it i think that that's a valid approach now but i think back when it was so revolutionary revolutionary in some ways i mean obviously lots of people have been developing software that way for decades already but mm. for most people in sort of the mainstream it was a new and shocking way of working yeah. <laughs> sit with a customer shocking <laughs> yes yeah. but it's so cool that you got to learn you know firsthand from kent so um that's pretty amazing Yeah, no, he totally ruined me after that. I, any job I did after that, I, uh, <laughs> if they weren't doing something agile-like that I could work with, it, I just moved on because it, did, it wasn't any point in uh, going back to bad habits. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. You, can, you can't go back to the dark side. You feel like you can tell, oh, you're just going to end up in that bad state again where you're dealing mm-hmm. with bugs. So for me, when I was thinking about my career, at that point in time, I'd only been on a maintenance team maybe for a few months in my whole career. And I thought, my God, that's because I started doing XP at a certain point before I became so senior where I would have to be, uh, how do I say, maintaining a, a legacy code, code base. And so mm-hmm. I ended up in this situation where after XP, all the QA was done in an automated fashion and we could do ship, mm-hmm. no ship decisions in four hours. And it was mm-hmm. like, wow, this, this is there's no reason I would ever, you know, go back to, oh, let's not, let's skip testing. Let's, let's just get the features done. That, just, I already know how that movie will end and there's no way I was going to go watch that movie. <laughs> Yeah. From a developer standpoint, I think it's pretty rare to find developers who haven't spent a few years on a maintenance team maintaining Mm -hmm. something. And it it required having a team because bug fixing was slow and expensive and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, and there were a lot of bugs. Why is it that something we did in 2000 and we did it and that there's still Mm -hmm. this problem of getting people to, to try it out and or keep it up and do it. Like you're telling me, TDD is actually going down. That's rather shocking. Well, that, yeah, I was at Delivery Conf in January, which is a conference devoted to continuous delivery. And, and a lot of the experts there, like Jez Humble and David Farley, said, yeah, they're seeing it almost starting to die off. And it's very frustrating because we, we have lots of science to show that how effective that is. Um, but like I say, we're humans, and, and we don't pay attention to, to facts. I, I Honestly, I think it's partly the way our economy works the stock market rewards short-term gains and and this is a long-term investment so the startup i joined a, a startup in 2003 that's my first scrum team and it, it was really struggling and it, it was a very complicated uh, domain to automate it was a financial services application and and they were so far failing to, to develop the software they needed. So they hired Mike Cohn, which was really smart. And and Mike brought me on, and, and they started transitioning from a very dysfunctional, unhealthy organization where they didn't actually let the business people talk to the development team <laughs> to, to a total whole team approach. It was a small company, so we could all talk to each other. And 
and it was just, I mean, it was a shock to some of the pe- people on the development team that were already working there. But, uh-huh. but the executives, the co-founders of that startup, they knew they needed the software. Their whole business plan depended on the software. And they hired an expert to make that happen. And guess what? They just let him do what he thought needed to be done and yeah. wrote the checks when it was time to write the checks and took his advice. I mean, he was able to advise them even, you know, to make their whole business more agile, right? And when it, you know, when we needed, we couldn't deliver very much every every sprint because we were learning how to do test-driven development. And that was taken longer. It takes longer at first. It's more work. Yeah. You have to write unit tests and maybe you don't know how to write unit tests. Right. So, you know, so for the first year, they were not getting very much every two weeks. On the other hand, they were getting something, even if it was tiny, every two weeks, which is more than they had gotten <laughs> before. Go. So they got nothing ever. And, but they were willing to make that investment. And in the end, like we devoted... You know, after a few years went by, and we thought, well, we're a rock and high-performing team now. Always have a releasable bill candidate. You know, we can release as often as the business wants us to release. We can respond to customer problems really fast. But we were still having a lot of customer problems in production, where our customer support people were having to make manual updates to people's, you know, four hundred one k accounts. Not good. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we're like, how can we solve this problem? And we were really influenced at that time by Mary and Tom Poppendieck, who who were saying, you know, learn your business domain, go sit with your business people. So we started devoting story points every sprint to to taking turns going and sitting with different people on the business side. And our product owner supported that. And his bosses supported that because they trusted us to know, okay, they must be doing this for a reason. Right. <laughs> this is an investment that we need to make. And guess what? Once we understood the business better, like, for example, I went and sat with the accountant. We've been trying to create these reports for her that the product owner kept defining to us. And she uh, kept saying, no, 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 that's not what I need. Uh, and so I sat down with her and she's like, well, we have these five cash accounts I have to reconcile every day. And I'm like, five cash accounts? And she walked me through what she had to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we were able to deliver her exactly what she wanted because we understood it. And so that's, I mean, I think that's... A dilemma of having a product owner. Right. Well, it's good to have one voice and have people come to a consensus. On the other hand, he can't be an expert at everything. Right. So we have to learn the business. And by learning our domain, you know, the, the business people would bring us this really complicated new feature. And we'd say, well, why do you need it? What problem are you solving with this feature? And we think about it for a while. Because at first we'll say, well, that's going to be, you know, probably that's a 20-point theme. Hmm. And they're like, oh, we need it really fast. And so we look at it and say, well, you know what? We can do 80% of this in half the time. Hmm. Do you really need that other 20%? Well, no, we don't really need that. We can take care of that another way. So, boom. All of a sudden, we look so fast because we're doing something in half the time that we originally said. So there are a lot of things to agility. You don't go, you don't, you don't type faster, (laughs) (laughs) but you reduce some of your cognitive load by having good tools and and good libraries to, to help you automate a lot of the grunt work and free up your brains to, to learn the business domain, be creative, find solutions with the customers. And I, I think that's, an important aspect of it that people who don't understand that it is a longer term investment. 
That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think you're you're touching on something there. Sometimes people will tell me, Lance, we don't know if we want to invest in test automation because we're not sure how long this uh, application will last or live. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so this is a case of doing agile on a legacy app that doesn't have any test automation. Mm-hmm. So the best advice we followed was to completely ignore that because the because uh, we we also t- heard from another wise person that you know if it's really valuable the the this legacy application they'll keep using it so the, mm-hmm. you know right mm-hmm. now they're questioning that it's valuable but if you guys make it valuable then then they'll keep it and so if mm-hmm. we fast forward a decade uh, later they're still using that application and and now it has uh, tens of thousands of unit tests where back then it maybe you know we were just a- adding in the first uh, you know few. Uh, hundreds in the, in those days. That is awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and the same with our team. You know, we inherited this team back in 2003. We had this terrible code base of with no automated tests. And then we decided to use the Strangler pattern uh, from Martin Fowler to just like, we'll, we'll develop everything new in a new architecture that's layered and, and testable, and, and it'll be a lot easier to do test-driven development. And, you know, a year or two down the road, I saw, like your team, I saw our team was automating unit tests for the legacy part of the app. And I said, well, you said you couldn't do unit tests for this, and that's why we needed to do the new architecture. And they said, well, you know, the truth is we just didn't know how to automate unit tests. Yeah. <laughs> and it just seemed like it would be easier to do it this other way, but honestly, we could have done this way from the start. That's true. <laughs> And honestly, it is hard to write unit tests in something that wasn't designed for it. But but it can be done, and, and it does require mm-hmm. uh, careful refactoring, etc. Right. If you were to start out a new team on TDD on a legacy application, it definitely is more complicated because I don't know mm-hmm. how, how it was for you, but I started on a Greenfield app, and, and that was probably mm-hmm. yeah, uh, same a good here. move. Okay. Yeah, that might be one of the, the adoption patterns that we experienced and why it stuck with us is because we started with Greenfield. Uh, that, that, that probably helps. That could be, yeah. It, 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 even if it's not really easier, it seems easier. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, well, you're, t- you're talking about cognitive load. So when you're learning a new process, you're, you know, your brain's busy with that, and you're questioning everything mm-hmm. you're doing because you're changing your mm-hmm. habits. And then if you add True. in, the more complications you add, the, the, I think it probably encourages the... Uh, how do I say it? No, it discourages the wanting of, 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 of doing something that's even more challenging. I, I, I'm hand-waving there, but uh, that, that's, that's what I wonder. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to develop new features with zero bugs? Deployment to production day doesn't have to be stressful. With some changes, it can be relaxing and just another day at the office. Are you a developer who has heard of test-driven development, but you haven't figured out how to apply it at work? If you have 90 minutes for a live over the web class, go to TDD Academy and sign up for my hands-on test-driven development coding Dojo, TDD Academy. Are you using a podcast player? Well, mosey on over to the show notes. Just tap, 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 and you will find links such as Lisa Crispin's book and other things that are mentioned in the podcast. They'll be right there for easy tapping. If you don't use a podcast player, go back to the website where you downloaded this MP3 and you'll find the show notes in that website where you got the MP3. 
Next episode, more Lisa Crispin. You, you're passionate about testing and continuous delivery. Tell us about that. Like I say, I've been, I was lucky to be on a team doing continuous delivery before I even really had heard that term. When I when I read Jess Hummel and David Farley's book, Continuous Delivery, which I think came out in 2010, I was like, oh, that's what this is called. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, they asked me to be a technical reviewer on that book. And I'm like, why? It, sound, it doesn't sound like anything I know anything about. And I read the book and I was like, oh, it's all about testing. 